So the two titles I possibly came up were Angels Me or mm. How to Destroy Against Me. <laughs> I think that's what I'm going to go with. Yeah. How do I couldn't really work anything else out all that well. How about Radio Me? Radio Me? <laughs> Alluvium Head? <laughs> Alluvium Head. Tom Destroy Angels. Tom Destroys <laughs> Angels. Tom Destroys One Angel. Or Against Me. <laughs> Waits. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. There we go. Right, uh, Got a lot of options. I do. I'll, I'll have to mull it over. Hello and welcome to Shuffle episode 17. Please make sure to listen to the five songs that we will be discussing in this week's episode. Links to Spotify and YouTube playlists can be found in this episode's description. It has been five episodes since our last ICP incident. What? Five. Yeah. I'm missing the face paint and the Fago soda, man. Well, I do have a little bit of ICP News Corner to, okay. to make up for it. I, I believe I showed this to you already, but recently a, uh, a website, I think it's called The Edge, compiled a best of series of <laughs> titled The Juggalos of OkCupid. Okay nice. It, uh, I think it features about 25 photos of dating profiles of juggle self-identified Juggalos. Yeah. And then highlights some of the best ofs from their profile. It's quite erotic. Yeah. Yeah. And they're wearing all clothes, all face paint. It's just very. Uh, <laughs> in particular, I'd like to highlight number 10. <laughs> I'll post all of them so you can see them. But number 10 features a juggalo couple. <laughs> and it appears that they are swingers looking for other juggalos to hook up with. Uh, their description says. And trust me, none of these words are spelt correctly. And I, I'll try to pronounce them exactly how they wrote them. Two down ninjas that meet at a twisted concert and got it on in the bathroom and mm. been getting freaky together ever since. Lol. Reply, though, we're looking for some other down ninjas that might be into swinging with us preferably white people if you're gonna try to invite other people to join why are you advertising that you do it in bathrooms just white people <laughs> and is then, that a, is that like representative of like the icp fan aesthetic would you say like is that kind of their deal like just kind of like trashy trashy dirty or just i i, I mean <laughs> I'm you not, speak on behalf of I, all juggalos, all right? I'm not going to sit here and stereotype <laughs> all of them. But I can say... But is that the aesthetic based, that they're going for? Based huh? off of the documentary American Juggalo. Okay. Based off of all of the juggalos they spoke to and how they presented themselves, I would say this might be sort of accurate okay. as to their aesthetic. Okay. I'm yeah. sure there are tons of juggalos up there that are very respectable, non-bathroom <laughs> sex-having people. But Maybe they don't either. Do. Maybe they don't either. They're just, you know, acting in Maybe. the role. Or they're doing the bathroom, eh? <laughs> you know. So this, <laughs> this same couple also had a list of the six things I could never live without, as dating profiles sometimes have. So here's their list of six things they can't live without. Our car, and they spelled our, H-O-U-R, not O-U-R. Our car, since that's where we live. <laughs> Two, nice. drugs. 
with a Z. Three, tits with a Z. Mm-hmm. So it can't live without their car. Drugs or tits. Mm-hmm. Selling plasma. <laughs> hey, yeah. I used to do that too, man. Solidarity. Hot as fucking wit. Freaky people. In so I don't know if the fucking is hot ass or if it's literally <laughs> ass fucking that is hot. But there's probably a bathroom involved. The word is so. hot. The word it's one <laughs> word. Hot ass. H O T A Z Z. Yeah. Fucking wit. Freaky people. And then their sixth thing that they can't live without used to be our kids, but DHS keeps taking them away. Jesus. And DHS is the Department of Homeland Security, in case you were wondering. That just got very sad and weird. <laughs> Not you. <laughs> it took a, oh a real dive at number six. Oh, my six. God. Yeah. So well, there, there's your ICP News Corner. Uh, what do you got for the Wing Hut? Wing Hut. Well, I do have some pretty big news here. So I realized that I've been talking. Some people pointed this out to me that I respect their opinion. And they were saying... <laughs> <laughs> Dommy, you keep talking about wings like it's all Paul. And I was like, you know what? They're absolutely right. So I Googled who the hell these other guys are, figured it out. Session drummer, Denny Dynamite Sewell. Dynamite. Exactly. Hey, you must be a wing nut. Here we go. Recently, he was interviewed in Modern Drummer Magazine, also known as the world's number one drum magazine. And uh, he was, he's just releasing a drumming practice book that's also part biography, and it's called What Not to Play, <laughs> My Life with Paul, and the Art of Winging It. So hey, Ooh. go check it out, people. You sold me on the pun. <laughs> you sold me on the pun. And hey, maybe we can post this to his, like, uh, I think he's got Zanga. Okay. Maybe we can get him on the show. Yeah. I'll okay. post it to his Zanga. Maybe try to hit him up on his Angel Fire. Denny. Yeah. Maybe he's related to the guy that owns Denny's. I'm just going to ask him when, he, when we get him on. That's the Wing Hut news. That's the wing, I actually have a little <laughs> bit of Wing Hut news. Fringe Wing Hut news. Paul news? It's McCartney related. It's pretty fringe. <laughs> Going back to when I spoke about how... Paul's daughter Stella and Grimes were teaming up to put out a vegan friendly fragrance called Pop. Well, they have released their first official commercial for the perfume. Uh-huh. It uh, features kind of like a glitchy VHS video effect of Grimes, just shots of her like in the desert near a car, and the whole time there's a voiceover of her briefly discussing sustainability and friendship. One of the takeaway quotes is, I think friendship is important to all non-sociopaths. <laughs> so I'll, I'll post the video for That's it. Nice. But, yep, Pop by Stella McCartney. <laughs> Dang. So in music news, the band formerly known as Viet Cong have finally announced their new band name. Did you hear what it was? No, I didn't. They will, going forward, be known as Preoccupations. Uh... Goat reaction. <sighs> They're working on a new album. They released like a statement once that's again, like, like apologizing for everyone that he offended with their band. Sorry, that's like what? I I don't know. It sounds like that's like a nineteen like fifties like soul group, like the preoccupation. Or like a doo band. Yeah, yeah. A doo the pre- like the Temptations, yeah. the preoccupations. Yeah. That's a bad name. That's a very bad name. I, but. 
Maybe it'll grow. I don't know. Would people freak out if a band came out and they were called the Nazis? Would they? I hope so. I hope so. Like, are they? Are people justified in being upset that they were called Viet Cong? Hmm. Me being someone who wasn't even like, you know, I yeah. know about Vietnam, but it didn't really affect me. So, yeah. like, I understand there are people who are like tortured and hurt and killed by yeah. the Viet Cong. I think. You know, it's a very good question. At what point? Because everything is more or less one form or the other appropriation. You're appro- you know what I mean? Yeah. Any name, to some degree, is cultural appropriation. But I feel like this was a significantly high degree of cultural appropriation, which maybe in and of itself isn't terrible, but they seem to like willfully not give a shit what it was about, I think. Early interviews, it seemed like they willfully were like, we're just hardcore hipsters and Viet Cong. We just like the way it sounds. And that, I didn't like that. Yeah. Because like, there's a really if, fucked up, you know. If they were like around. trying to be like, what's the, like perverse or something. Like if they were trying to like make a statement by using that. Yeah. I think I would have respected it more, but more so yeah. like, we just like it. Yeah. That does seem kind of rude and off-putting. Yeah. Uh, it, oh. it even seems like shame. I mean, I don't know their music that well. I, I don't think I've ever listened to it. But it's o- it almost borders on like just like shameless PR. Yeah. You know what I mean? You just get something provocative and exotic. Oh, that and that exactly reminds me of like all the young British artists that piss me off, like Damien Hirst and yeah. <laughs> Jeff Koons and like shock art. Yep. You know. Yep. Yep. So, but they were young. They're young guys, and then they changed the band name. So I don't hold yeah. it against them. So, other music news. A few days before everyone's favorite holiday, 420, a post went viral on <laughs> Facebook stating that Limp Biscuit would be playing a free concert at a random Sunco <laughs> gas station somewhere in Dayton, Ohio, to yeah. celebrate the event. And even though both Fred Durst and the Dayton Police Department came out and made official statements saying this wasn't real... And even though the guy who created the hoax came out and said, yeah, it was just a joke, a crowd of fans showed up at the that's gas station, so awesome. God, forcing them awesome. to close it. And they all hung out for a while, and then the police told them to leave, and then they left. And then Limp Bizkit came out, uh, I heard. They're <laughs> 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 like, where's everybody? Yeah. <laughs> that's so great, yeah. man. That's so sad. And like, that's so sad. Uh, even most of them just kind of came as a joke, but there were some people who were like, well, even though Fred said it wasn't real, I was kind of still hoping, you know. I was kind of still hoping that he was just trying to throw people off his scent. Yeah. God damn it. That's that's classic. Uh, and did you hear about the giant roster of people that are going to be in Twin Peaks this new up-and-coming season? You've got Eddie Vedder on there, man. Yep. David Lynch announced a full cast list, and along with a bunch of actors and actresses who frequently show up yeah like i think i saw naomi watts on the list yeah tim roth but a bunch of musicians will also be making acting appearances such as trent reznor of nine inch nails oh yeah his wife mary queen reznor a longtime collaborator and guitarist of nine inch nails robin fink will be in eddie vetter sharon von etten sky ferrara and david lynch himself is going to be in and i'm assuming Reprising his role of the FBI director yeah, guy was yeah. hard of hearing. <laughs> yeah. So that's I'm 
really curious as to how that's going to play out. Like, are they going to be yeah. playing themselves? Yeah. Or are they going to actually be playing characters in the show? I hope that... I trust David Lynch. And who's the other guy? Who Co-creator. Us, uh, no. Mark Snow. Mark, yeah, Mark, yeah, there. That's or, it, right? Mark I Snow? think it's Mark yeah. Snow. And we'll Google it later and find it. But I trust them. But when I did see almost 300 names for people acting, I did get a little bit worried that this might... <laughs> be like a cavalcade how do you do that (laughs) is it just gonna be like eight hours of just constant cameos yeah they're just walking on and on i just looked it up i was wrong mark snow is actually the guy who composed the theme song for x files oh i was mixing (laughs) he's probably one of the guests on the show <laughs> we he probably didn't is. Look. Yeah, he's probably Mark Frost. Okay, Mark That's Frost. Easily so mi- close. Mark wow. Frost is the co-creator. Of nice, nice. Yeah. Pull yeah. it off, guys. Oh. Fingers crossed. I. That's a one too. Maybe like one hundred too many people to have. One hundred. <laughs> How many it? times has that sentence been said? <laughs> I think there might be a hundred too many people in your show. Just a hundred too many. <laughs> Like insane, isn't it? Just like eight episodes. I think there's already another season in okay. the works. Okay. I don't know if that cast list is just for this run. And yeah. at one point in time, I heard eight, and then one point in time, I heard like sixteen. Okay, sixteen. So I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I really, I don't know. Oh boy, so I'll watch it though. Do you remember uh, B.O.B. the rapper who was claiming that the Earth is flat? Yeah, and that yeah. Hitler yeah. was right and stuff. Yep. Well, he is back on the internet with a new theory claiming that Snapchat is using all of their filters to secretly build a facial recognition database. Nice. That's a good that's a good conspiracy theory yeah, right there. Nice. nice. You couldn't really disprove it. Yeah. Who knows what they're doing with yeah. it? According nice. to Snapchat, they according to their privacy policy, they automatically delete all content of your snaps from their servers after they detect the snap has been viewed or it has expired. Yeah. But who knows? B.O.B. Nice. Well, he hasn't been too wrong in the past, so I'll give him a... <laughs> I can't wait till he writes a song about yeah, it. Yeah, write a song. God. And are you familiar with the John Cage piece, 4 minutes and 33 seconds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a recently, bit. a death metal band called Dead Territory did a cover of 4 minutes and 33 seconds and actually NPR posted it on their website <laughs> nice I'll post the video of the band they come out okay so there's video to there's prove a it. video okay, it's good, a video good, performance good. of them doing a cover they come out get all their gear on you can see like the bass player and guitarist tuning their instruments the drummers slightly changing like where all of his toms and cymbals are and the lead singer comes out and puts earplugs in because it's death metal music yeah. you gotta be yeah. safe yeah start out do the step one two three four and then he's kind of like do this build up all together and then like right when the song is about to start they just stand wow. there for four minutes and 33 seconds and then after four minutes and 33 seconds of standing there they take their gear off and yeah. compliment each other on a good job and walk out of the frame you know based on everything you just said that sounds like it genuinely was a cover yeah of a you know a different genre covering the song they <laughs> yeah truly did a cover yeah. of it yeah yeah wow I'd be lying to you if I said I was going to check it out, though. <laughs> I mean, that's one of those songs you hear it once, you don't have to hear it again. You know, you might argue that it's constantly playing at all yeah, times exactly. if you really think about it. I thought it. he ripped it off, man. I've been hearing that in my head. Uh, 
Well, I'll, if, if anyone wants, I, Actually, I will. I will post the video. If maybe I'll check it, it out. Post it for me. I, I'll do it just for Dominic. <laughs> Other music news: uh, Fans have discovered that when David Bowie's Black Star album is left in the sun, the Black Star transforms into a field of glowing stars. I think it's kind cool. of interesting yeah. that you know we're about six months after its release, and we just someone just found out that this yeah. happens. How did they find that out? Who leaves their? I've I never guess, seen a record like out in the sun. I, I'm, I'm my my best guess is like maybe they had the album out playing it, and like yeah. the sun had shifted, so a beam hit yeah. the star, I, like balcony I, or something. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I am also impressed that you know it was kept under wraps no one like yeah yeah leaked this little it's, it's kind of cool it i heard not even david bowie knew <laughs> that's a wild i'm it? sure he didn't <laughs> and uh let's see last bit of news did you know that 16 years ago rage against the machine predicted trump's presidential campaign nice nice uh they made a music video in 1999 that actually Michael Moore directed called for the song Sleep Now in a Fire. The video depicts a greedy, dystopian society, and in it, a man can be seen probably holding up a sign that says Donald Trump for President 2000. <laughs> and coincidentally, around the same time, Lisa Simpson also predicted Trump's campaign in a 2000 episode of The Symptoms, Simpsons called Bart to the Future. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. See, I think he has been trying to run for like the last like 30 years or something. I think. That could Someone be. was telling me that like he always has tried to run. Like his name's there, but he has never been popular enough to like even, you know, be on the top 50, you know, to sure. even be in the first like debates. So maybe, I wonder, that's fascinating. Maybe he, he rose in the polling that year and he became more... Slightly more relevant yeah, or something. Yeah, that's fascinating. But yeah, if only it were a joke and not reality, that would be nice. God damn <laughs> So what have you been listening to lately? There's a lot of very good new music out. I totally agree. There's a lot. There's a lot. Deacon's new album, very good. King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard's Lizard new album, Wizard. very good. But... This song called Glowed Up by Katranada featuring Anderson Dot Pock. If that's how I'm, I don't know if I, I think you pronounce the dot. He's a young up and coming rap artist. I don't know if you've heard of him. I have not. But this Katranada is like, I think he's like 24 or something. He's very young and he's, I think he's from Montreal. And he just does a lot of like eclectic electronic mixing R&B and, and uh, house and I never really heard of him until his new album called 99.9% came out but this song in particular glowed up is like one of the best rap songs I've heard in a really long time it's as good or better than any song I heard on life of Pablo honestly it is as it is fantastic 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 i'll have to check it yeah. out it's super good and the music video is pretty like funny too so yeah that song glowed out glowed up glowed up glowed up like, yeah glowed it's, up yeah glowed it's up. fantastic i'm not even that big of a rap fan so maybe y'all won't like it but it's very good <laughs> it is really good no oh, it's it's interesting you should say that because the the couple things i've been listening to have also been raps is 
Really? Rapses no. and hopses. Damn. Well, uh, Death Grips new album. Oh, yeah. Bottomless Pit just dropped a couple days ago, and it's great. It's probably one of the most intense, brutal things they've done to date. Very abrasive, very angry, very... It's like listening to battery acid being thrown on your face. <laughs> nice. But it's pretty good. <laughs> it's intense, but it's good. And then... The one that I've really been digging is Aesop Rock's new album, The Impossible Kid. Yeah. It's it's been a long time since his last I think his last album Skeleton something. I can't remember what it's called, but it it came out a long time ago. So this this was a long time in the making. And it's it's just fantastic. Nice. Some of the best production I've ever heard on a rap album. Nice. Nice. Just the most creative and catchy and driving beats and his flow. Like he he's got a very interesting voice to begin with. Yeah. There's no one that sounds like him. I could out. see he's either your thing or he's not. Like I could see people not digging his voice yeah. and his flow, but I think it's it's just it's so refreshingly different. Yeah. And he's got these really esoteric lyrics that like borderline almost impossible to, to decipher with how <laughs> abstract they can be. Nice. And he did this pretty cool thing for this album prior to the release of the album. He streamed it, but it wasn't just a streaming of the album. It was through a video. And the, the video is a shot-for-shot shot remake of Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. But it's all done with little toys and dolls and puppets. Nice. And the whole time... The video's playing, his album's playing in the background. <laughs> wow. It's still up. I'll post a link to that yeah, video I'll if anyone wants to see out. it, but it's pretty good. Yeah. I, I highly recommend it. Nice. And I, I haven't, I know James Blake just dropped a new album. I haven't listened to it yet. Have I've, you? No, I haven't, but I've heard that it's fantastic, too. Yeah. Wow, lots a lot of, of music. music. Man, damn. All right. I guess with that, we can move on to our first track. One by Alluvium off the 2005 album Talk Amongst the Trees. Alluvium is the moniker of Matthew Cooper, an experimental minimalist drone ambient musician who currently resides in Portland, Oregon. And in geology, alluvium are geological deposits and soils that are derived by an in situ weathering or weathering plus gravitational movement or accumulation. And I didn't know what in situ was, and it is a Latin phrase that literally translates to on site or in position. Mm. So that's what alluvium is, if that makes nice. sense to anybody. Okay. <laughs> it kind of okay. goes over my head a bit. Yeah, <laughs> I, think, I think it's like little mineral deposits that gather in a place. Like you have a bunch of soil, and then weather occurs onto it, and then it transforms into something else. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. That's my best guess. I think that's... If he's listening, maybe he'll throw yeah. us a bone. Let here. us know, Alluvium. <laughs> uh, his music has been described as such. With a depth ranging from fragile to glacial, he takes dense layers of guitars and pianos and builds them into awe-inspiring fortress around himself. Mm. If it was ever possible for a warm gust of wind to send chills through every bone in your body, then Alluvium is that warm wind. Nice. Yeah. That's a nice line. And I, it was possible for a warm gust of wind to send you. Nice. 
I, I <laughs> at least based off this yeah. song, yeah, yeah, I think that's, that's a, pretty accurate. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, this album, Talk Amongst the Trees, is characterized by evocative ambient guitar work and features liberal use of loop and hold pedals to create lush, abstract guitar textures. Uh, he has described his album... Beneath the cold water glow, Talk Amongst the Trees is a soundtrack for exploring the surface of your own ocean, moving like the sand that runs through your fingers, and incandescent like the most unique creatures in the sea. Lacking most recognizable instrumentation, Talk Amongst the Trees is an album that exists in its own fantastic landscape, making no attempt to complete the world outside. It drags you inside your own subconsciousness, allowing sentimental thoughts and memories to pile up on themselves. As the hour-long journey progresses, details fall away until nothing remains but a warm, colorless, but mm. intimately personal abyss. Mm. Mm. Damn, dude. Give That's me some whatever he's having. Spicy a meatball. Wow. 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 That was the artist talking about that his own music. That was his, at least on wow. his website. Usually artists are terrible at talking about their own music. I, I actually, I guess I don't know if he yeah. wrote that, but on his website, he endorsed if you go it, to yeah. this album, this is the description for that album. Nice. And nice. he seems like a pretty independent guy, so I'm assuming he probably wrote it. Yeah, nice. Pitchfork's Mark Richardson had this to say about the album. Drone music directs a listener's attention to texture. Once you know you're getting long tones and gradual changes, you focus on the sort of details. The timber is what provides the mood, and the best stuff finds that crucial edge between too pretty and too noisy, mm -hmm. and then rides it like a water skier pushed along by the lip of a boat's wake. Matthew Cooper's Alluvium Project has, on occasion, found this edge. Mm -hmm. yeah. Nice. Uh, so this song, one, is the closing track to this album. And I personally think it's very fitting for a closing track yeah. to an album. Yeah. It is very gradual build, but it does build and grow, but it's almost unnoticeable. Yeah. It's so slow and subtle that you barely notice it, but it does kind of become louder and warmer as the track goes on. Yeah. Oh, so what did you think of this track? Yeah, I thought it was yeah, a very good song. I think similar to what the guy in Pitchfork was saying, I think... I, I was agreeing because yeah, the danger with kind of drone or ambient music is that it might sound like new age music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which hey, I like Indy as much as the next person, but I don't want my drone or ambient music to accidentally start sounding very sentimental. And this was a very good example of I and I think maybe that's kind of what he was getting at, of of having a little bit of that kind of emotional feel to it. But also that kind of uneasy, kind of raw sound, and I thought it was a good, it was a good balance between them. So it wasn't, yeah. I couldn't cry to it like Cigarose. I love Cigarose. No. It's so fucking sensitive. But Cigarose, I'll fucking cry yeah. to that, you know, if I want to. This, he didn't quite no, let me get there, I and think, I appreciate. I think it. that's a good point where it's like, with drone and ambient music, you can't stand still, or it'll just be too boring. You can't yeah. stay in the same spot. But what he does is, like, he does a good job at taking two steps forward and then two steps back. Yeah. So yeah. even though he gets nowhere, it's constantly in flux, and it keeps you interested at least. Yeah, yeah, A little exactly. too emotional, a little too alienating. Yeah. Like, back and forth. Like, yeah. you know, we always come to, like, 
I feel like every time we talk about drone or ambient music, it's waves and oceans and <laughs> waves and water. But Glaciers. it does. It, it, it gets like yeah. lungs. It breathes. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. This was, again, yeah, I thought it was a good... It, it almost felt like he was... It started with like a kind of heartbeat of mm-hmm. like a tone and a pulse. And then it kind of had like a nervous system put over it with a kind of like eerie kind of synth sound. And then... When it ended, it sort of peeled it away till it was just that nervous system sound. Yeah. And I was like, that's, you know, over like eight minutes to kind of build it and peel it back. That's a nice, that's a well-crafted song. Yeah. It goes over my head a bit, but I could tell he put a lot of craft into it. I agree. Yeah. And I, I do really like that kind of repetition of that main drone. Yeah. But I feel like it could get really boring because it really doesn't change at all. But I think the scattered beeps and boops in yep. the background keep it textured and changing enough yep. to keep it interesting. It had just enough of an eerie, yeah. like atonal sound in the back. Just enough. Like that, almost like if that hadn't been atonal, it would have sound. I, I could have cried to it. But yeah. it stopped me from crying. And I appreciate. <laughs> you know what it I mean? It's just that little. I almost almost a tear, and then it just sucked back. Wait, in. the one comment. Did you read the YouTube comments? There's some good ones. Oh, uh, <laughs> actually, I wrote one down that oh, I wanted nice. to mention. Okay, you go uh, ahead. It's probably the same one. Devin Gaffin from YouTube had this to say about the song one. This song prevented me. <laughs> I mm-hmm. can't even. This song prevented me from smashing my dad's head <laughs> into his fat neck. See, if he if it was an Inya song, he would say this song makes me love my dad. But it had a little bit of edge. So he still gets the dig in on his dad, that fat neck. Smashing his head into his fat neck. <laughs> See, it's got a little bit of an edge. I like it. That's like the perfect I love that. That's like the, you should put that on the back of his album when he reissues yeah, it. Yeah, like for the accolades. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> David Gavin of YouTube had this to say about Talk Amongst the Trees. His dad reads it like yeah. ten years from now. It's like hey. <laughs> No, that was. It's a great. That's a very good song. Yeah, overall, yeah. it's very simple, but it is an interesting drone piece that yeah. doesn't overstay its welcome. And it, like, I, it does a little bit of everything. It's a little bit soothing, but it's also a little bit unsettling. Yeah. And it's a little safe, but it's also a little bit experimental. Like, it yeah. doesn't go too far in any one direction. Yeah. Very well rounded. Yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a, I'll have to check this guy out more. I've never actually heard. Oh, him. He's he's great. He has a um, one of Maddie's favorite albums and one of mine. He has a his second album he ever made. I think it was before this album. It's called An Accidental Death in the Case of Memory. Huh. It's it is a entire piano album. He recorded the whole thing in one take. And it's kind of one constant piece that's split up into different sections. And what I love is, because he did it in one take, every time he messed up, it's just left in there. So it's, there's nice. flaws to it. But it's nice. not, like, horrible. Yeah. But it, yeah. it feels real. Nice. I, I, very, I recommend nice. it. It's very it's somber, but it's engaging. Yeah. And, I, I yeah, check it out. An Accidental nice. Death in the Case of Memory. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to our second song, Sink, Florida Sink by Against Me, off the 2003 album Against Me as the Eternal Cowboy. Against Me is an American punk rock band that formed in Gainesville, Florida. When they, they formed in 1997, 
by their singer and guitarist, uh, Laura Jean Grace. And it actually be started out as just a solo act and eventually kind of became a full-fledged band. Mm. And I guess to get it out of the way, I think we briefly mentioned this a few episodes ago. Against Me's front woman, Laura Jane Grace, is a transgendered woman. Yeah. Throughout most of Against Me's musical career, she was a man named Tom Gable who suffered from severe gender dysphoria, actually since she was a child. Mm. And if you're not aware, gender dysphoria is the formal diagnosis used by psychologists and physicians to describe people who experience significant distress with the sex and gender they were assigned with at birth. Uh, for years, she would hint at these feelings in Against Me's lyrics, such as on their song, Searching for a Former Clarity. There's a line where she says, In the journal you kept by the side of your bed, confessing childhood secrets of dressing up in women's clothes, compulsions you never knew the reasons to. Mm. So throughout, she hint, you could see it in the lyrics. Yeah. And then yeah. in 2012, Grace publicly came out as a transgendered woman ceasing to use her birth name of Thomas James Gable and taking on the name Laura Jane Grace. <laughs> Laura is the name her mother would have given her had she had been assigned female at birth rather than male. <laughs> and Jane was selected simply because she thinks it sounds pretty and Grace is her mother's maiden name. <laughs> and Grace is currently undergoing medical transition. She's receiving HRT to inhibit body and facial hair growth and increase breast size. She said that she's considering getting breast implants and facial plastic surgery, but is apprehensive about the. I, I can never say. Condolinare. Condrone laryngoplasty. Wow. Which is. Like what is a it? genital oh, surgery. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, she yeah, said, yeah. I don't give a fuck if I lose my penis. It's just fucking scary because of the surgery. I needed to have my wisdom teeth removed for five years, and I still haven't done it. So she's just <laughs> apprehensive about the surgery. We didn't. Are, did we also mention how against me they were in response to the LGBTQ discrimination? They're legislation performing there as a form of protest. Nice, nice, yeah, I think nice. we talked about that two yeah, episodes ago. Right on, yeah. yeah. So the chondrolaryngoplasty is a surgical procedure in which the thyroid cartilage is reduced in size by shaving down the cartilage through an incision in the oh sorry i'm wrong i was wrong it is not genital okay it's actually to remove and it is to decrease the size of a predominant adam's apple and make the voice more feminine. I was wrong. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, it's shaving down, like, cartilage in the throat to kind of huh. decrease the girth of one's Adam's apple. Wow. Yeah. Does that have to... I have no idea if you know. I have absolutely no idea. But is that in part to, like, change the hormone balance, or is it just cosmetic? I really have no idea. I'm, I'm yeah. assuming it will affect the sound of the voice. Yeah. So I'm assuming yeah. it would probably produce more... Because I know... Th Adam's apple is what causes male, male voices that, to be deeper. Oh, so I'm okay. assuming yeah, it would probably make give her a more feminine sounding voice. Yeah. I don't know if that would yeah. affect like the testosterone levels in her body or not. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Grace plans to continue performing and against me saying, however fierce our band was in the past, imagine me six foot two in heels fucking screaming into someone's face. <laughs> no? And they have, since she's come out, they've released... One album, I'm pretty sure. Might maybe two. Yeah, I think one. It may be a second one. Yeah, I think it's I called think like Gender Dysphoria Blues. Yep. Dysmorphia Blues. Yep. 
in the album art's pretty wicked. It's like this slab of meat with a breast on top of it. It's like a cube of meat with a breast <laughs> on top of it. Wow. It's brutal. So Against Me as the Eternal Cowboy was released on NoFX's Fat Mike's record label, Fat Records, that we've talked about a few times, mm-hmm. and was Against Me's first album to reach Billboard charts, reaching 36 on the top independent albums list. Grace has described the album as a concept album that explores love and war, explaining an ambiguity with regards to the album's title reference to its songs, and Eternal Cowboy can be symbolic of the power structure or of someone forever wandering lost and alone. This song, Sink Floor to Sink, was the second single from the album. And though the single version of the song was released on the band's previous label, No Idea Records, it was actually a different version of the song completely. Yeah. And hmm. the album's artwork appears to be, it's, it's pretty, it looks like two gingerbread men and one's on top of the other one. And then if you open it up, he like rips the other ginger man's stomach open and a bunch of drugs and candy are flying out of it. It's pretty cool. Album wow. art. I was going to, I'll post a picture of it. So what did you think of this song? Uh, yeah, I thought this was a very good song. I thought it was almost like, a, it kind of felt like it was like a, almost in the same tradition as like older country, like lonesome road songs as the eternal cowboy. Yeah. 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 So I, I, I was kind of impressed by it. It was a kind of like, yeah, it had a kind of like folk, like almost like protest vibe, like real conviction. And maybe I don't know against me that well. Maybe that's just kind of their sound too. But very con- a lot of conviction in the voice. Actually, like against me was born out of protest music. Oh yeah, like, that is their yeah. roots. Really? Like, yeah, he, yeah. He's a, against me. I guess they're that's a literally extremely what's politically charged yeah. band, and yeah. like Tom Gable in Gainesville, Florida would just go all the time and do like protest songs nice. at different events and yeah. that's really the foundation of their music nice. and sound. Yeah, it sounded that was like the first thing I wrote is it kind of sounded like maybe lyrically it was more kind of like introspective but it sounded like a protest yeah. song. Yeah, I, at least <laughs> at least their old sound yeah. not so much anymore but like they're truly like this folk acoustic punk band yeah yeah i love it's it's such an interesting sound because it's like it's acoustic music that he's just so fucking angry when when she yells sorry she's so angry yeah when she yells and i i think the song is like about a failing relationship or about people who are once close and are now drifting away from each other but yeah yeah it was like a nice mix between like a physical Leaving and metaphorical yeah. leaving. The lyrics were pretty, yeah, complex. Yeah, I, I love that line of yeah. panic was lost in a deep understanding. That's a great line. Yeah, like yeah she's that's a com- great line. She's comparing the death of the relationship to drowning and understanding the death rather than like panicking about it, yeah. like accepting it. Yeah. Uh, that's a great line. Yeah, that was a great line. Yeah, panic. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was a standout line. Yeah, very. I mean, yeah, I, I'm kind of surprised I haven't heard punk, punk music and protest music in like the folk tradition i never thought of how they really could meld yeah they have yeah. a good synergy whereas some i don't know what punk there's a lot of different varieties of punk which you know more about than me but this was the first one that immediately made me think of like protest music like way back you know like 1950s style yeah yeah it was great yeah great great she has a great voice and the lyrics were pretty impressive 
one little thing though. Grape corner. You gotta, you got to listen to a song from front to back, okay? Till the very last second. And this song, it sounded pretty good to me. The Is that what you're talking about when yes. they're whispering? What? It's like, it's like she hit the eject button. It was like, give me out of this song. You know, it's like, why? Do it justice. Don't end it cutesy. You know, I'll go all the way through. That irritates me. Yeah, I've always I've wondered why they decided to leave those voices in. Like, yeah. I know they sometimes they kind of do this with other music. You know, like they want to come across as a band that it's just about the music. Like, we don't give a fuck if it's cleanly cut. And sometimes you'll hear noises of them being in the studio. Yeah. But I do also recognize it kind of takes away from the sentiment of the song a bit. Yeah, it, I. It's really maybe just my own personal gripe, but it's like a song should create a kind of world and if you're going to be ironic about the world that the song creates that should be part of the world get it you shouldn't at the very end be like (laughs) it's an insult it's annoying gripe corner come on grace it was such a good song it was such a good song and then they do that i'm like what do you even like the song (laughs) yeah because it said it sounded pretty good yeah i don't know it was it's kind of like the ben folds thing it was like didn't want to go all the way. Didn't want to commit. Yeah, wouldn't commit. But I mean, it's really only a testament to how much I like the song. Sure. That the end irritated me because I thought it was a great song with very I the lyrics yeah were surprisingly complex and deep too because folk music is the most <laughs> simple music yeah. possible and punk usually when I hear it it's just like one emotion like motherfucker. But this was very complex. Yeah, that line that you said out loud, I wrote down. That was, yeah, fantastic. Fantastic line. Yeah, it's it's this kind of strange mixture. It's like, it's numb and it's heartbreaking, but it's like still catchy and just fucking pissed yeah. off at the same time. Yeah. And a lot of that is her voice. Yeah. Her voice is fantastic. She's yeah. one of the best, like, yell singers I yeah. can think of. Like, yeah. Just if you listen to more against me music, just her lung capacity and just her just projection, like she just you can tell she's just loud. Yeah. Like she yeah. can just fucking belt. Yeah. And I love how like the whoa ohs in the refrain are like like kind of screaming like whoa yeah like yeah. you know like but they pulled it off yeah, yeah that 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 was very impressive they pulled that off yeah because that I thought that it was almost like a like a country folk punk vibe mm-hmm. i don't know i've never and very cool th- this is probably a little shallow of me but like i love songs that like really feature the word fuck in it so yeah, like at yeah. the end it gets all quiet <laughs> like, gotta find the right reasons to fuck it up you gotta fuck it up yeah and then they just go back yeah. into the wo's like yeah i always get a little <laughs> chill when it gets to that part yeah no it was a well well delivered well a well-deserved fuck yeah no that was good that was good all right, any other thoughts or no i'll have to check them out more yeah, I, no doubt they're one no of my doubt. their last i'd say like four albums meh yeah but they're i would say they're like they're the first half of their discography is incredible nice nice i got two of the records on vinyl off to play them for, nice. for you sometime yeah all right let's uh let's move on to our third song Oh, 55. Who the hell is this guy? By, by Tammy Watts. <laughs> yeah, Tammy Watts. Good old Tom, t- Tammy Watts. <laughs> Old 55 by Tom Waits. 
off the 1973 album Closing Time. This is the second time Tom Waits has appeared on here. So for anyone who doesn't remember or if what you What was the first one? It was uh, with Bette Midler. Oh, yeah. The, oh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's kind of yep. like the he's chasing after her and she's denying yep. him kind of yep. shtick. Yep. Too early, Tom Too early. Very, yeah. I would say both that one and this one are not <laughs> good representations of what I consider Tom Waits to be as a musician. They're part of the story of Tom Waits. They are part of the story. <laughs> they're not, they're the not his, of... they're not his sound. <laughs> Especially this one, because this was his first yeah. album. Yeah. So, uh, if any of you didn't hear that episode or forgot, just go re- listen to it. Yeah, go dingus. listen to it. And we'll, we'll wait for you. <laughs> do do. Okay, <laughs> that probably was enough time. Tom Waits is an American singer, songwriter, composer, and actor who experiments with rock, avant-garde, folk, blues, jazz, and sometimes even industrial yep. music. He is known for his distinct voice, which oddly is not featured in this song because he's young and his vocal cords haven't been damaged <laughs> by years of smoking and drinking. Yep. <laughs> music critic Daniel Jerchholtz described... Waits's current voice as oh this is great it this sounds like it was soaked in a vat of bourbon left hanging in a smokehouse for a few months and then taken outside and ran over with a car nice that's like a that like goes for his whole like music yeah it's like perfect it, yeah even just the feel of that <laughs> but I promise you we'll get to a Tom Waits song at some point where you will hear this guy's voice like <laughs> yeah. you can go check it out yourself but. It just so happens we keep running into these very non-Tom Waitsy sounding songs. The early years. Yeah. Uh, Waits' lyrics frequently mm. present atmospheric portraits of grotesque, often seedy characters and places, although he's also shown a penchant for more conventional ballads. His songs are actually best known through cover versions by more commercial artists such as Bruce Springsteen's cover of Jersey Girl, Rod Stewart's cover of Downtown Train, and Eagles' cover of this song, Old 55. Yeah. Waits has won two Grammy Awards, was included in the 2010 list of Rolling Stone's 100 Greatest Singers, their 2015 list of 100 Greatest Songwriters, and was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2011. So this album, Closing Time, his uh, debut studio album, is noted for being predominantly folk influenced, although Waits intended for it to be a more jazz piano-led album. Upon its release, Closing Time was uh, received by the American Music Press with positive critical acclaim, although its coverage was limited. In its original Rolling Stone review, the album was positively referred to as a remarkable debut album compared to Randy Newman and was branded as a boozier, earthier version of the same delights in rummaging through the attics of nostalgia. The persona that emerges from this remarkable debut album is Waits' own, at once sardonic, vulnerable, and emotionally charged. Closing Time reached a wider audience through the cover versions of its songs by more successful artists and have since been and continue to be covered by the likes of Tim Buckley, Bette Midler, Meatloaf, The Eagles, Bat for Lashes, Hooting the Blowfish, and John Bon Jovi. (laughs) Uh, This song, Old 55, is actually the opening track to the album and was actually the lead single off this album as well. 
Mm-hmm. And like I said, it was covered by the Eagles. The Waits has said that he's not a huge fan of their cover, stating that he thought their version was a little antiseptic. <laughs> I'll, I'll post a yeah. video of their cover so you can compare the two. Yeah. And uh, just to show you how his music got popular through other bands, I tell you, the listener, go to the Googles and type in Old 55. I promise you the first thing that will pop up will be the Eagles cover. Yeah. Probably the first couple things will be yeah. the Eagles cover. Oh, yeah. yeah. So many people interpret this song to be about a man driving home after having a night of hooking up with someone and feeling happy and at peace while he watches the sunrise on the highway. Some people believe that it's a metaphor about the acceptance of one's mortality and simply enjoying life while you can. And here's Tom's interpretation of the song. And by the way, I would take this with a boulder of salt if I were you because he is a storyteller. Keep that in mind. So he's stated that the song is about his friend named Larry Beezer. And while he was on a date, needed to get this girl back to Pasadena because that's where she lived. And it just so happened that his vehicle, the only gear that worked in it was reverse. So he needed gas money. So he went to Tom and offered to sell him some jokes in exchange for gas money. When Tom said the jokes were really good, so he gave him some gas money. <laughs> and then Larry then proceeded to drive his date home on the Pasadena Highway in reverse the entire way. I'm sure that happened. And <laughs> like the line, lights passing and trucks a flashing, is supposed to represent people being pissed off at him for going slow because he's driving in reverse down the highway. And then the line, and I lead the parade is because there's people stuck behind him because he's going slow in reverse on the highway. Uh-huh. And he uh-huh. also stated that the old 55 <laughs> was actually a 55 Cadillac. Okay. Uh, I'll post a video. There's a video of him telling this story and kind of... He's famously known for, like, when he introduces songs, he'll just play, like, these really dissonant, weird piano yeah. tinkerings. While he, so there's him kind of tickling the ivories, telling the story, and then he goes into performing the song in his gruff voice, which yeah. I actually prefer that version of the song to this one. Yeah. So I'll post that so you guys can see it. So what did you think of Old 55? <laughs> it's a dopey song. This is a dopey song. Mm-hmm. I mean, I-, I love Tom Waits. But this is basically an Eagles song. Yeah. 100%. I don't care what kind of beautiful poetry he puts around it. This is an Eagles song. (laughs) Which is a testament to how genius he is that his worst music is... An Eagles song. Is an Eagles song. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just my personal taste that the Eagles are dopey. But, I mean, the dude's a genius. I mean, when he, like... I, I'm, I don't know. There's some people that know everything about Tom Waits' life. I don't. But I know that when he met his wife, they their collaboration led to him like reaching full genius level. I know. She plays a predominant yeah. role in his songwriting. Yeah, he yeah. went full genius mode. Swordfish, trombone, mm-hmm. rain dog. And that genius level had jazz. Like you were saying, it had jazz. It had experimental rock, industrial blues, vaudeville. The voice, extremely experimental. And this song represents just one of like the eight elements that made him a genius, yeah. which is like the kind of folk country crooner guy. Everyone's got to start somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so this is like one 
of the eight elements that would fuse to create a sort of mad genius 10 years from now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, initially I thought this song was kind of tame and straightforward for a Tom Waits song. Yeah. You know, after hearing his alleged story behind it, it's a little more interesting. But yeah. that story is really nowhere in the lyrics. I yeah, feel like I he's just trying to put a spin on yeah, he worked hard this to. song. Freeways, cars, and trucks. trucks. Like, dude, and Lady I, Luck. That's the Eagles. I, I just think of, like, the most generic American dad riding his Harley on the weekend when the kids are being babysat. I can't it, believe he said the word lickety split yep, in the lick, song twice. Yeah, no, too. lickety splitty. Lickety, lickety, yeah, lickety <laughs> splitty. Even worse. Lickety splitty. Yeah. It's an Eagles song. Yeah, it's an Eagles song, which, again, it's. It's a little too straightforward. Yeah, yeah, it's it is just the. I think it. Someone said it was like a country waltz. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's a one. It's a one-dimensional song, but for that genre, it's quite good. Yeah, for that genre, it's good. It's a dopey genre. <laughs> it's a dope. I don't know. It's I, just dopey. I, I don't find myself revisiting this song, yeah. but I can appreciate it. Yeah, it has none of the like mania, none of the like weird distance or the nitty gritty. I don't feel like I need a shower after yeah. listening to it. Where like yeah. a good time wait song is like a Bukowski poem where yeah. you just feel yep. dirty yep. listening or reading it. And like the yearning and like the sentimentalness of this song, that happens in a lot of his other songs when he like hit full genius yeah. mode. But it's coming from like a demented weird like gutter hole of <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i mean it is part of him he, he never totally got rid of this but that i don't know if you've listened to that album i've listened to that album like once before I've probably like one time for me and too. then i just quick just skip through the songs mm -hmm. like 10 seconds each and that really it almost sounds like like a like a kind of bob dylan early 70s song album like I, Dylan was a big influence yeah. on Waits, I know. And I feel like I almost feel like when because I'm a huge Bob Dylan fan, although at some point you get burnt out being a Bob Dylan fan because there's just so much. So much. <laughs> it's a big it's a big burn to bear. But when Dylan went electronic, and then a couple albums later he just stopped being as good, <laughs> which is basically my interpretation. He went electric, he was still great, and then a couple albums. Then he, yeah, he burnt out, and that's right around this time. And I feel like Waits was in a weird like post Dylan world where he was still like kind of like the beat poet vibe. Sure. And like if basically if in an alternate universe, if Dylan had kept being great, then maybe Tom Waits could have just kept making music like this. Well, I'm glad that didn't exactly, happen. and I'm really glad that he had to like go crazy. Because there was nowhere in the world for him to genuinely sound like this. No. <laughs> I don't know. It's a fascinating. I mean, I love Tom Waits, but yeah, this is a weird... Not the best song is Discog. Yeah. It's not even the best song on that album, no. man. I, yeah, I don't know. Freeway, how, cars, like, and trucks. My, I can't... My only thought <laughs> is to, like, they were just trying to make money. Like, why did this be the lead single off the album? Yeah. Other than, like, maybe it'll be a hit. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It is an eagle song, I swear to God. It's an Eagles song. Like, they wrote it and just gave it to him. And then they <laughs> took it back. <laughs> yeah, then they just took it back. So, uh, it's part of the story of Tom Waits, but I wouldn't recommend it. I would only recommend it to his most hardcore fans. Yeah, if you're really <laughs> curious as to his yeah. origin story. Yeah. 
Otherwise, like anything he did in the eighties, in in later in the seventies too. But eighties was like full genius move. I think when he met his wife, best thing that ever happened to him. <laughs> Kathleen Brennan, the world thanks you. Thank He's you, great. Kathleen. Yeah. All right, let's move on to our next song, "High and Dry" by Radiohead. Who are these guys? I don't know. <laughs> Never heard of them before. <laughs> Off some 1995 album called The Benz. <laughs> Never heard of that album either. Maybe I'll check it out. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. It's too cool for the Radiohead. Radiohead are an English experimental alt-rock band from Abaddon, Oxfordshire. And uh, they are considered to be one of the most successful <laughs> indie alt bands of all time. What? They have sold more than 30 million albums worldwide, wow. having their work placed highly in both listener and critic polls, and on critics' best music of the 1990s and 2000s. In 2005, they were ranked 73 on Rolling Stone's list of greatest artists of all time. Johnny Greenwood and Ed O'Brien, the guitarists of the band, were both included in Rolling Stone's list of greatest guitarists of all time. And Tom York, the singer of the band, was ranked 66th on their list of greatest singers of all time. And in 2009, Rolling Stone readers voted the group to be the second best artist of the 2000s. They all met while attending Abaddon School, an independent school for boys in Abaddon, Oxfordshire. Their original band name was On a Friday referencing the band's usual rehearsal day in the school's <laughs> music room. And after rising in popularity, performing a couple live shows in the area, and recording some demos, they signed a six-album recording contract with the British recording and publishing company EMI. Wow. And at the request of EMI, the band changed their name to Radiohead, which was taken from a Talking Heads song called Radiohead off the 1986 album that True is Stories. Wow, yep. okay. I never knew if that was. Well, yeah, I knew the song. Except wow. the song is Radio Space Head, Head. and they yeah. combined it to one word. Nice. Radiohead. Nice. <laughs> but the studio at they that were, was the studio. They told them to change nice. it from on a Friday. I actually didn't know that. Yeah. There's actually funny. a pretty I'll, I'll post a picture of it. There's an ad in the newspaper just the ad is simply declaring that Going forward, <laughs> on a Friday will forth be known as Radiohead. Like nice. they had an advertisement in the school paper <laughs> that they were changing their band name. Nice. Yeah. So this album, The Bends, marked the beginning of a shift in the aesthetics and themes for the band, with greater use of keyboards and more abrasive guitar tracks balancing subtler ones. The introspective grunge-influenced style of their first album, Pablo Honey, evolved into a more multi-layered rock with cryptic lyrics and larger ideas as the band's singer Tom York reacted against the plight of near constant world tours and the fame they got from the first album. Actually, Radiohead nearly broke up due to the pressure of the sudden success as the tour for Pablo Honey extended into a second year. So they had a they they didn't they, <laughs> two just, years they put on an album they had to do 2 years of touring for that album. Wow. And being troubled by the fame he achieved through the, the band's biggest hit, Creep, York became disillusioned with being, quote, at the sharp end of the sexy, sassy, MTV, eye candy lifestyle, end quote, hmm. and felt that he was helping to sell the world. Kind of Kurt Cobain syndrome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Benz 
in case you didn't know, is also known as decompression sickness and occurs in scuba divers or high altitude or aerospace events when dissolved gases, mainly nitrogen, come out of the solution in bubbles in your body and it can affect just about any part of the body, including your joints, lungs, heart, skin, and brain, mm. which makes it really hard to diagnose, but it yeah. will kill you. Damn. That's the Benz. That's nice. Nice image. <laughs> so this song, High and Dry, was the first single to be released off the Benz. The song was originally first performed with York's first band prior to Radiohead, which was called Headless Chickens. <laughs> and they actually recorded a version of High and Dry during the Pablo Honey sessions, but the band dismissed it, calling it a Rod Stewart song. <laughs> They later later revisited it while recording the Benz, and actually this the the only recording of this they didn't re-record it. They just remastered the demo they recorded for Pablo Honey yeah. and threw it onto this wow. album. <laughs> and it's famously known that Tom York fucking hates this song. Yeah. In a 2000 interview with Pitchfork, Tom York stated that he did not like the song, saying it's not bad. It's very bad. <laughs> he also kind of hinted that he might have been pressured by the music's the music label to include it on the album since it's accessible and yeah. catchy and yeah 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 uh, he also stated that he has no idea what the song is about or at least he doesn't <laughs> remember what it's about uh, there's so many interpretations to this song especially with such an avid fan base of Radiohead fans. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Possible interpretations include losing a loved one, uh, bank robbery gone wrong, selling your soul for success, changing yourself for others' acceptance. The overwhelming theory is that it is an anti-machismo song about boys doing dumb things to impress people. Hmm. And did uh, have you watched yeah. the music video for it? Yeah, yeah, I've seen that, yeah. So the music video depicts a group of patrons at a diner, the band included, and the camera keeps kind of panning around to different people in the diner. And for a couple people, it actually kind of cuts to like what they were doing right before they got to the diner. One of them being a serious looking businessman, another being a couple who just appeared to perform a robbery of some sort. And they proceed to hide a key in their food as the waitress takes it away. And then as this is happening, slowly people in the diner start mouthing the lyrics of the song while it's being sung. And then the music video ends with the businessman being attacked at a payphone outside the diner. And then the couple who put the key in their food, the cook takes the key, puts something in their carryout bag. And then as the couple's driving away, they open the carryout and see there's a bomb in it. And then the, the car explodes. Dang. And there, there's a very overwhelming Pulp Fiction vibe yeah. to it, like Quentin yeah. Tarantino's Pulp Fiction. Yep. And just in case anyone didn't know, the phrase high and dry means to be stranded without help or hope of recovery. Yeah. The term originally referred to ships that were breached. The dry implies that not only were they out of water, but had been for some time and could be expected to remain so. <laughs> what did you think of high and dry? This actually, I'm, maybe it was just the proximity of the songs, but this kind of similar story to Old 55, I think. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm not the biggest Radiohead fan. You're not a Radiohead? Yeah, I really, I can't, nothing like I know Tom Waits, so I can't, I mean, just casual fan. I mean, In Rainbows was the first album I really started listening to him. Sure. So 
I'm a phony by most standards. But this song sounds like an early, it, it is, an early Radiohead song that represents kind of a couple of the elements that would then later combine with other elements, maybe even on the bins. I haven't listened to that album in a long time. That would make them kind of hit genius level, I think. Did I, you're, you're I would a, No, I definitely agree that this is still them yeah. on their path. It's to, not a dopey song. I wouldn't say it's dopey, no. though. It's nowhere as bad as like but it is, it's very 55. But it's catchy <laughs> and straightforward yeah, for the yeah, most part. Yeah. I think the best thing it's got going for it is Tom's voice. It's so emotional and kind of yeah. heartbreaking throughout yeah. the song. Yeah, it's it's nowhere near the the revolutionary sound of OK Computer yeah. and Kid A and their yeah. albums to follow all of that. It sounded, and maybe this is also a testament to how great they are because this I had heard this song before, like. Because it's one that you always just hear. And I was like, yeah, that's a really good song. And now that I've listened to more Radiohead and I go back and listen to this, it sounds a lot more like the product of like UK Oasis slash Wonderwall era music. Yeah, it does. Which is to say the worst song they can possibly make is a Oasis song, <laughs> basically. Which or is a blur a, song. It's a blur song. But it maybe like 50 years from now, I'm just trying to imagine. Tom Waits did that in 73. And now fast forward 40 years. I feel like 40 years from now, people would go back and listen to this and be like, yeah, this is a good song, kind of, but you know, their crazy sh- shit is to yeah. come. But I like this song. I really do. Because yeah. I like Oasis. I like Blur. You know? Yeah. And I, I like this song, even though I really don't know what it's about. I still kind of get this idea of heartbreak and yeah. regret and loss. Yeah, and his voice. Yeah. yeah. The falsettos and the, oh yeah. He's and- good. He's good. Yeah, and I mean, this is, I believe, their, like, lowest charting album out of their discography. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> it, is it the best thing they've ever done? No. The best thing that they ever had has gone away. Yeah. I'm sorry, that was a horrible... <laughs> I was trying to reference on... It's the best thing that you ever had. Nice. No, this isn't their best music. I really <laughs> like this song, but there are way better Radiohead yeah. songs. Yeah. But I still, like, this is one of the first Radiohead songs that kind of got me into the band. Yeah. So I'm sentimental towards yeah. it. Yeah. And, like, as long as I, you know, I don't want to be someone that sits there and be like, oh, there's better versions of this. So, I, like, if I can turn that part of my brain off, I can completely enjoy yeah. every aspect of this yeah. song. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. And it's a, yeah, yeah, it's a good song. It's nowhere as, like, dopey as Old 55. <laughs> no. But, but but it's it, also not like yeah groundbreaking earth shattering like yeah. music they would go on to make yeah I mean it's just the blow curse, your mind it's the curse of like being like a creative like genius yeah is then everything you've done gets held to that standard and this just becomes part of that story but it's a very good song it really is yeah. a very good song and it makes total I mean I can <laughs> tell me I've heard his comments yeah. on this song. <laughs> A Rod Stewart song. Rod Stewart that's song. It's a little too. That's too much. <laughs> it's not that bad. Come on. I feel like I feel like Tom York is a person where like the second a song is done being recorded, he's just like, "Fuck that song." Yeah. He just. Yeah. I feel like he just. What perpetuates his ability to continue like create bigger and better things is he just hates everything he's ever done. Yeah. No, sorry, it's not just him. Johnny Greenwood is. Tom York is not the only driving force in this band. The whole band, I just think them hating all their previous work just forced them <laughs> to be constantly like 
changing their like yeah. that's why every album yeah. of theirs sounds different yeah every album sounds different yeah that's why they're so highly regarded yeah is they're just constantly pushing and changing yeah yeah i wonder when their new album's coming out oh they got a new album i think out. i yeah. think they're i think their new album <laughs> might be coming out in about 20 minutes 20 minutes i mean i better go home now so I'll see yeah <laughs> yeah i feel like I feel like a bigger conversation about them might be in the horizons. Maybe next week. Sometime. I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be ominous. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe next sometime week. next week, yeah. somebody's gonna maybe talk about some new album by. Bring some one band. microphone. When we hang just out, just one, one person. Yeah, just one. Just one person. <laughs> All right. Any other thoughts on High and Dry? No. No. Okay. Yeah, let's yeah. leave this song High and Dry and move hey. on to our. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'll quit the podcast now. <laughs> it's yours now, Dominic. <laughs> Let's move on to our last song, A Drowning by How to Destroy Angels. It's very fitting. I feel like similar to Sing Florida Sink kind of pairs well with this song thematically yeah. at least. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is off the 2010 EP, How to Destroy Angels. How to Destroy Angels is an experimental electronica post-industrial group formed by Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails, his wife, Mary Queen Mandig Reznor, and their longtime collaborator, or Trent's longtime collaborator, Atticus Ross. And then eventually, uh, Nine Inch Nails' art director, Rob Sheridan, has also gone on to join the band. It was after this release. It would oh, be for their second okay. release that Rob Sheridan joined the band. Hmm. Post-Industrial is a collection of related musical genres that emerged in the early 1980s all of which blended elements of varying styles with the then-new genre of industrial music, such as noise, ambient, folk, metal, electronic. And just a reminder, industrial music is kind of an experimental electronic music that draws on transgressive and provocative themes. Hmm. So this is considered kind of like a take on industrial music. I... I would even, I mean, I'm not one, I can't define things, but I would even say like trip hop is kind yeah. of a yeah. genre that this band experiments with. Nice. Low down tempo trip hop, down huh. tempo trip hop, post industrial, nice. blah, blah, blah. The group's band name is taken from a 1984 song by the band Coil. Uh, Coil is an English cross-genre experimental industrial music group that is considered to be probably, without a doubt, the most influential, best-known industrial music group of all time. Nice. Definitely gave birth to the genre. So they, it was actually their very first release ever. They put out a song in 1984 called How to Destroy Angels. I'll post a link to it. It's a very inaccessible, droning track of just dissonant noises. <laughs> but that's where they got the band name from. And... Trent would go on to collaborate with Coyle many times throughout his career as a musician. Yeah. Citing them as one of his biggest influences. Uh, the, the How to Destroy Angels EP was initially released as a free six-song download via the band's website and then was later on released on vinyl and CD. Similar to Nine Inch Nails' release, each How to Destroy Angels release is designated with a unique name and number. So this EP is called Sigil 2. Mm. Sigil 2 signifies that it is the band's second release. Uh, Nine Inch Nails, all of their albums 
are given a Halo, Halo 1, Halo 2, Halo 3. It's something Trent's been doing since 1989 when he started making music. So mm. Halos are Nine Inch Nails songs. Sigils are How to Destroy Angel songs. The first sigil being actually this song, A Drowning, the first single they released. Mm. And in case anyone wants to know, a sigil is an inscribed or painted symbol considered to have magical powers. Okay. Sigil. Yep. Nice. Sigil. Uh, when the band initially released their first album, they were worried about it being compared to Nine Inch Nails too much, so they kind of went out of their way to try to distance themselves. They got a different artist to do all the album art, a guy named Mark Weaver, rather than Rob Sheridan, who usually did all of the art. And Trent tried to take a back seat. His vocals aren't featured anywhere in this song. It's just Mara Queen singing. And so, yeah, this was the first thing they ever put out, a drowning on the surface, it appears to be a song about someone who is literally drowning and being unable to save themselves. But, you know, upon further inspection, you could kind of take it to be about someone being stuck in a hostile relationship and trying being unable, being unable to get out of it or not being able to get over a lost loved one. Uh, what did you think of this track? Yeah, I thought this was a great song. This was a very, very good song. I don't know industrial music very well uh, but I thought this was yeah fan it was very well crafted electronic music that was complex but not like overwhelming like Dan Deacon mm -hmm. complex but it's like just so overwhelming this is comp nuanced very nuanced I was very impressed with the shifts that kind of went pop there were shifts in the song that were kind of poppy and then it would get like atonal and even like horror movie suspense and then kind of go back to pop and then kind of end i don't know i was very impressed very nuanced like that i thought it never quite settled yeah 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 i okay first of all let me preface this by saying i am probably incapable of saying <laughs> anything negative about trent reznor yeah, yeah so everything i'm saying from this point forward is the most biased <laughs> perspective that could ever yeah so i'll just yeah. get that out of the way yeah, now yeah. i love this song i love how creepy it is yeah. like the calmness of her voice screaming out like she's singing like i'm drowning here please help me but she's so calm yeah it's so fucking eerie yeah. to like hear this calm voice saying like i'm dying yeah. i'm drowning yeah I, I loved the piano it was almost kind of like a second voice that was singing in tandem with Mary yeah. queen it's also like the most trent reznor sounding piano ever <laughs> it's so distinctly trent yeah it's the same nice. like there's a lot of trent in this like the the droning muted guitar at the end very trent yeah even the melody of the oz at the end the uh yeah very trent yeah <laughs> it's all it's all trent <laughs> this is all trent the the nice. horns those really creepy horns yep. yep really reminded me of that unanswered question piece yeah. that we listened yep. to yep yep yeah because yeah that was a creepy suspense yeah, extremely dissonant horn. yeah that was a nice that was a very and then the lyrics that came right after that little creepy part were like really impressionistic yeah, there's a like tiny, tiny little, little window. window swarms of locusts i was like nice that was very nice yeah i was very impressed by this song and i did really like during the first refrain when she's singing just like please anyone i don't think i can't help myself i'm drowning here please the first time it's 
The music's really nice. It's just kind of this nice piano with like the electronics. And then the second time, the droning guitar starts to come yep. in and it gets yeah. progressively louder and her voice literally starts drowning in the noise of the yeah. music, which I thought was a really clever thing to yeah. do. Yeah, no, I love those like crunching guitars yeah. that came in Yeah, by like 421. Yeah, that was... And nice. I love the extended like fade out of the song yeah. where like the droning gets quieter and quieter and then like the piano starts slowly like yeah. getting atonal longer and atonal like, and it ends yeah. with the dun. Yeah. No, I was super impressed. I was super impressed. It was like it could have had like a new agey sound, which I don't mean it in a bad way. Yeah. I like but it was like it was like so and again this is someone who doesn't really listen to industrial but it was like ambient new age with a heavy injection of industrial yeah like I, which was great i love i have i mean i never really listened to music quite like this no i, I like i think that's a fair description yeah. trent is always really good at balancing on that edge of like he loves dissonance and edgy and abrasive music yeah but it is always with a catchy pop yeah. sensibility. Yeah, which like, is key. Enough to get you to yeah. into the song. And His then, music will always yeah. be catchy. It's the yeah. catchy and off-putting at the same time. Yeah. That's yeah. that's that's where he shines. Yeah. No, that's impressive. In fact, you know, because that Elite... What was the first song? Alluvium. One by Alluvium. I feel like they both were kind of working with the same balance between, like, ease you into it and then kind of rock you and this one was just a little bit better i yeah. guess <laughs> they're both really good i, I listened to them both again I agree. but this one was just kind of like oh yeah you think you're good yeah <laughs> see what i can do yeah it was like oh, oh yeah like, <laughs> it was very yeah very complex but very listenable yeah yeah it was a great i love song. it yeah, i love it that song. song it's probably one of my favorite how to destroy angel songs too yeah i'll have to check them out yeah. they're great yeah highly recommend them so What's your favorite of the five? Honestly, they're—I mean—they're all good. I mean, if the if the worst song is Tom Waits, <laughs> so that tells you how good. It's all a good day when the worst song is a Tom Waits song. <laughs> oh my god, that could be the name of this. Yeah. Spot. <laughs> it's a good day. It's when a good the worst day song. when the worst song is yeah. a Tom Waits song. <laughs> but I think the best song was a drowning. I completely agree. That was the best song. Yeah, yeah. I such a good song. Yeah, that was a great song. Well. I guess well, that kind of wraps things up. Uh, it was a good one, man. Damn. I agree. Like I said, it's a good day when the worst song is <laughs> yeah. Tom Waits song. Uh, please continue to send us submissions for our listener-generated playlists, our genre and artist-specific episodes, and also if you're a musician, send us your music if you want us to talk about it. Send them to us on Facebook at facebook.com shuffle, on Twitter at shufflepodcast, on Tumblr, shufflepodcast.tumblr.com, or email us at shufflecastpod at gmail.com. And as you know, shuffle is spelt the number 5-H-U-F-F-L-E. If you are into video games at all, I am on a video game podcast with my friend John and some of our other friends. We talk about video games. It's called The Game Cave Podcast. You can find that at soundcloud.com slash thegamecavepodcast. What kind of wings related thing do you want to plug today well yeah check out the zanga blog the zanga blog denny dynamite sewell's uh just winging it zanga blog check it out dude it's hot it is hot it's so hot 
so hot right now. <laughs> All right, uh, here are your tracks for episode 18. First track is Does Your Face Hurt? No, because it's killing me by Bomb the Music Industry. <laughs> Second track, Zero Sum by Nine Inch Nails. Third song, Yankee Bayonet by The Decemberists. Fourth, I Won't Make You by Something Corporate. And the last song is Half Cooked Concepts by P.O.S. So you can look forward to hearing us talk about that. Other than that, I hope you all have a good week. And thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.